I just learned that I was a based boomer. <laughs> and apparently that's not bad. Um, you know, for the most part, I, I have been making videos, and these are really designed for my fellow citizens, not intellectuals, of which I assume there are many here, uh, informed, smart, concerned. And what I'm trying to do is to give a little shape, maybe, to their thinking, help them conceptualize, build them a framework that can make sense of the word, uh, world. And so what I want to hear at the end of a speech, you don't have to tell it to me, um, is that I said what you believe, but maybe I said it a little more neatly. Or I wish I had said what you said. That's what I'm going for. Um, we have an enemy, an enemy regime. I call them the woke communists. Um, that's a name that doesn't get a lot of approval from my intellectual friends, particularly the younger ones, and I may come to the name, but I sort of like the name. And the woke comms believe that identity groups should be represented in all realms of life in proportion to their percentage of the total population. So black Americans, which are 13% of the population, should be 13% of the senators and prisoners and dishwashers and homeowners and law partners and everything else you can think of. So that's the woke comms understanding of justice. That is their understanding of a just society and therefore it is their objective. Now it ought to be clear that that objective is very much at odds with our American understanding of justice and a just society. We believe that individuals ought to be free to pursue their understanding of happiness within some moral limits. Now, a free society will necessarily lead to outcome differences because we're different. Groups have different preferences, maybe different talents. Women and men are different. You heard that here. They have different talents, different preferences, and therefore, if left free, they will be represented uh, differently in society. There are also, you know, there's Asians and other subgroups, again, that have certain talents and preferences which will show up in uh, over and under representation in various realms of human society. So the first thing to understand is that these two objectives are at odds with one another. More freedom, the, the more outcome uh, inequality, conversely, the more outcome equality, the less, free, uh, the less freedom there is. So again, the first thing to understand is that we're in a war because um, you can't have a society with two different uh, objectives any more than before the Civil War. You could have a society that favored slavery and so wanted to expand it, and another society that disfavored it and wanted to contract it. You can't go in two directions at once. And as Lincoln said in that context, you can only have one system of justice 
or the other. And the other in this case, woke communism, wants to destroy us. They think that all the outcome differences that we see are due to racism. They're systemically racist, is what they say. Well, if we're systemically racist, then they have to overthrow the system. And that's the most important thing we have to understand. If they want to overthrow our system, we have to be prepared to overthrow theirs. You can't win a war unless you know you are in one. Because in a war, you have different policies, different strategies. You favor different people. Trump is a wartime president. He had just the constellation of assets that fit with our particular war. As I'm fond of saying, you know, Trump may have been the worst president in any other time. But in this time, we were blessed to have him. I think there's another advantage to using this outcome freedom framework. And that is, it helps you understand where the WOCOMs are going. Um, you know they're trying to achieve outcome quality. You know that black Americans are roughly 33% of the pr prison population. As I said, they're 13% of the overall population. So they want to get the prison population down. And if we'd been a little more conscious of that, perhaps we wouldn't have been so surprised by defunding the police or decriminalizing certain offenses or failing to prosecute uh, early release. No, all that stuff, uh, I think, can be explained by the desire for outcome equality. Now, what they're doing ain't going to work. So the question is, what next? And I don't know exactly what next, but it's important that we ask the question, what next? Somewhere down the pike, there are going to be laws, or they're going to try to make laws that dictate outcome equality. But even laws aren't going to do it. Of course, laws can be reversed. So the next step is a constitutional amendment. Now, that sounds absurd, but so has many of their initiatives of late. As you may know, the high priest of woke communism, Ibram Kendi, has actually called for a constitutional amendment to dictate outcome equality. We may not get there, but we want to know where we're going or where they want us to go. Now, these speeches are not just designed for the general public, the informed, smart general public. These same ideas I try to communicate to politicians. I speak to a lot of politicians. They're not looking for my advice. They're looking for my money. I speak to a lot of them, even though I may answer only one out of every 50, 75 calls. But I have a kind of way of proceeding. I have some questions. The first question is, have you served in the military? At its most essential, the divide in this country is between those who think America is good 
and those who think America is bad. I have never confronted a military person who thinks America is bad. They've been abroad, they've seen uh, how other people live. It makes them more appreciative of the way we live. If they're in special forces, all the better. I don't think that women should serve in combat. I try to get that out of them. Most are trained not to say that. Sometimes I get a hint. What I do ask and what, where I do get a response is with the question of uh, how woke is the military? And most of them say, I think what you and I hear in the top brass, woke, uh, enlisted men, um, not so much, but of course it's flowing downstream. And one of the things we obviously have to do is combat wokeism in the military. And that would be one of the standards by which I would judge a Republican nominee. Is he or she really committed to getting woke communism out of the military? It's the one area I think it's the one area where a president can have a big impact on wokeness. He's not very easily gonna change wokeness in education, media, entertainment, and all the rest of it, but he can, I think, uh, change wokeness in the military. The next question I ask is about a religion. Is the person religious? And I ask how many times they go to church. I pry shamelessly. Um, I think if they have faith and love of God, they probably know what it means to love and have faith in their country. They have some other thoughts that I like. They believe um, that there are limits on what humans can be. So they find it a little difficult to believe that a woman can be a he. And they know what they think. They don't have to debate it or think about it very much. And I think that's a virtue. It's not always a virtue to question everything. And their religion teaches them that there is no heaven on earth, at least not for a while. And even then, it will not be ushered in by utopians. Then I get to Trump. Uh, and this helps me locate them along a political spectrum. The answer I don't like so much is, I like his policies, but I don't like the rest of him. That was the subject of a speech that I recently gave. Um, I think that although Trump um, enacted many important policies. Um, it was the rest of him that contains the virtues that inspired a movement. So what did he do? Well, we have, we have some Trumpsters in the crowd. Um, he put America at the center of political things. 
He laid bare the division in this country. The press said that he divided. No, he didn't divide. He exposed a divide. He smoked rats out of hiding places. He showed us just how corrupt the media and our intelligence agencies are. Trump is a towering figure. He is courageous, unreservedly patriotic, which at this time of national self-loathing is very, very important. He's authentic, optimistic, a genuine insider, an unabashed enemy of the press and political correctness. There is something else that we don't talk about enough of virtue, and that is his absence of white guilt. He has no white guilt. White guilt is killing us. It's white guilt that leads to affirmative action, to this outcome equality, and that, I don't know if I want to say denudes, but weakens Republicans. Republicans suffer from white guilt, which makes it very difficult for them to combat the woke-com narrative that America is systemically racist. Um, Trump called me last night. Now, Trump doesn't know me from Adam. I've never spoken to him before. He read my Trump virtue speech, and it shouldn't surprise you he liked it. <laughs> he said he read it twice. And he said it in a way that made me think that perhaps he doesn't read many things twice. <laughs> he sounds just like he does on television. You know, this rat-a-tat-tat, never completes a sentence, tells you all the things that he, did, that he did well, all the things Biden is doing bad. He saved McConnell's bacon and dissent, blah, blah. I mean, it, it, it felt like this was Sean Hannity, and he launched right into it. You know, when, when he left me a message, he said, this is from your favorite president. <laughs> and I was, <laughs> it, it, um, it put me in mind of Abraham Lincoln. Um, I, I asked him, I asked him one question, or two questions, because it's hard to get an, in a word edgewise. He talked for 24 and a half minutes in a 25 minute discussion. I asked him what were the two or three things that he would do if he had to do it over again. And he said to me, he gave me a very good answer, I think. He said, people, people, people. Obviously, he knows he was ill-served. He told me something else apropos of that question. He said he'd only been to Washington 17 times before he became president. Now, that seems to me an amazingly few number of times. I don't know how he knew how many times, but I had no reason to disbelieve him. And he told me that as a way of explaining why he didn't know the right people. And he took advice from rhinos, as he said, for personal, uh, you know, personnel decisions that turned out to be very bad. This time, he says he knows the right people.
back to politicians. I, I ask about homeschooling. Do you use homeschool? Many of them are, uh, have young children. A lot of them do, and I'm very impressed. That means they understand the very secular, woke nature of our public schools. It also uh, indicates that they have, you know, they're willing to sacrifice for their children, and that's very important. I raised two girls with my wife in New York, and just to get them to do their homework and to keep them out of trouble, and we were only one for two in that department, you know, was basically a full-time job. So I'm very impressed by people who homeschool. Now, I said we're in a crisis, we're in a war. Well, the question is, does the politician think that? I tend not to ask that question directly because I, I, I don't want to lead the witness, and I think it will come out if the person has the fear of an existential crisis. But there is something I do ask, and that is I ask him to explain the divide in this country. Whether you think we're in a war or not, everybody appreciates, I think, that we're in a larger-than-normal divide. People... Uh, explain that divide sometimes along policy lines, sometimes it's capitalism versus socialism, nationalists versus globalists, uh, those who work and those who are dependent on government, uh, also the who rules questions, elite versus the people. And I think all those capture something, those are an aspect of the regime, but I don't think they're comprehensive and specific enough to comprehend what's happening, and I go back to my framework, freedom versus outcome equality. So are we in a war? Um, you know, I said that the theory of the WOCOM regime is clearly at odds with um, our own regime, but of course just because there's a, a revolutionaries who have a doctrine that is opposed doesn't mean they're powerful enough to actually uh, have an impact. Well, in this case, I don't think there's any doubt that the woke comms have a tremendous amount of impact and a tremendous amount of power. I'll read a few things, you know them as well as I do. Uh, systematically undermine voting laws, the 2020 riots egged on by our politicians, refusing to defend America's borders, courts who were, who were dealing with election fraud, and this includes the Supreme Court, were intimidated, I believe, by mobs. What the woke comms say, in effect, is decide our way or we're gonna take to the streets. And that has intimidated us, I think. It's been a very effective um, tactic, allowing the threatening of Supreme Court justices, making legal representation different, uh, difficult, deliberately spreading violence, corruption of media and the FBI are just a few, and you know most of them. Now, if you believe that outcome equality is where they're going, 
and let's say when it comes to the prison population, they want to defund the police and all that. Then the question is, how do they convince us to actually do that? And like all totalitarian regimes, they do two big things. First, they tell lies. And the big lie is that America is systemically racist and about to be overrun by white supremacists. And of course, supporting that lie is a bunch of subsidiary lies, like the police are racist, and all our institutions are racist, and all our values are racist. And if they can convince us, as I said earlier, that we are systemically racist, we will allow them to overturn the system or our way of life. Now, the second thing they have to do is to shut up those who challenge the lies. And they have a bunch of ways to do that. Censorship is one. Uh, we don't, we can't see most of the censorship because unless you have a real platform, it's hard to make yourself heard. But worse than censorship is self-censorship. And that we hardly see at all. We know, but we don't see it, how much research that doesn't get done because people know that it will be censored. Terror is also a mechanism to shut up people. Uh, the threat of mobs I've already noticed, uh, noted. Scapegoats, making white males scapegoats. This is a totalitarian trick. Vilify some group and then terrorize them. When um, we beat up people for minor indiscretions that they've committed decades ago, we ought to understand this as part of the totalitarian goal of total compliance. It's the equivalent of physically, being physically beaten up. Humiliation is another way they shut us up. You know those 51 senior intelligence officers that said uh, Hunter Biden's laptop had all the earmarks of Russian disinformation? Well, they were lying. They obviously knew they were lying. We knew they were lying. They probably knew that we knew. But they didn't care. They were humiliating us whether that was their intent exactly or not. Intimidation. I have a friend um, in a major city, has a certain standing in town, wanted to talk about wokeism and something about statues, something along those lines. He didn't do it because he had three grandkids in the local public school and he feared and for good reasons reprisals. It's small, but it's telling, and it goes all around the country. It's the kind of thing that I think Rod Dreher says, you know, this is the kind of thing that you have to um, combat. You can't live by lies. Uh, blacklisting, that's another technique. You know, I had a, a teleprompter operator for one of my videos. He didn't show up on day two. And it wasn't because he didn't like what I was saying, but I'm sure he didn't like what I was saying. 
But the reason he didn't show, uh, show up because he thought that his association with a conservative outfit would make it more difficult for him to get jobs elsewhere. So if we know that they need to shut us up, if we know that they have to plug all the pipelines through which um, flow dissonant information, then we know they got to get rid of homeschooling and religious schools and charter schools because they know they have to get our young, uh, yes, get our future citizens at a young age when they can brainwashing them, wash them. And these alternatives to public schools um, are therefore a big threat. I think they have to cripple or ban um, conservative think tanks. We're out in California. We've certainly thought about moving because we think we're at risk. Obviously, they're going to take down more statues, uh, Mount Rushmore, a muscular symbol of American greatness, Statue of Liberty. Once they figure out that the Statue of Liberty is a symbol not of open borders, but of freedom, imagine a headless Statue of Liberty. Gone is the light of liberty. Her crown has sunk to the bottom of New York Harbor. The statue's grand base is overgrown with weeds and small trees. Graffiti defiles everything. Vines crawl up her body. They remind you of a phalanx of vipers encircling their prey. We need vivid pictures of the future. We need people, we need to help people imagine the future. We get to, in our discussions, usually COVID and all they don't like, and we all know it. We get to Fauci, and of course they don't like him for you know all the obvious reasons. The point I make to them, I think, that may be underappreciated is Fauci is the first person in a long time that's a personification of the administrative state. He's an example of the expert who's not that expert, who sees the world totally through the lens of his discipline. That was the problem with Fauci. He couldn't understand that there were other things than the COVID virus. And Trump did a bad thing, which I think he now realizes, he allowed um, Fauci to play a political role much beyond his role as a scientist. When I speak to the candidate, I'm wondering, would this man have fired Trump, fired Trump, fired Fauci? Hard to tell in a 30-minute phone conversation, but it's a good question, and it's one standard that I use when I'm assessing presidential candidates. Would they have fired Fauci? We can be pretty sure that Pence and Nikki Haley wouldn't. Um, Pompeo, probably not. But DeSantis, at least possibly. Um, I said that Fauci is the face of the administrative state. We need a face 
of all communism. I don't think it's Biden. I don't think it's political leaders. The best I can come up with is Ibram Kendi. Most people don't know him. I realize it's hard to make an intellectual also the face of a movement, but I'm gonna give it a try. My next speech is gonna be about, um, about uh, Kendi. I wanna end with the name, if I can find my notes about the name. You know, uh, they tell me that woke communism is a boomer name. And they say that with a certain amount of disdain. And I'm also told that communism is not an ideology. No, it is an ideology. It's not a regime. But I think it's near enough a regime. And I would also say that facts are often the enemy of marketing. As you've heard, I write plays. And when somebody asks me if something is historically true, I'm fond of saying facts are the enemy of drama. I'm writing a play now. It's a love story, a father-daughter story. It's based on Lincoln's uh, Secretary of the State, Salmon Chase, who wanted to run for the presidency. I mention it because um, it's not about, but it includes comments about prudence, about political philosophy. On the one hand, Lincoln's prudence. On the other hand, the moral um, absolutism of uh, Salmon Chase. The name, let me get back to that. I think it could be made to work. Uh, it doesn't mean that they're not other names. I think wokeism works in places. There's a name I like to replace woke comms, and that is face stompers, or boot stompers. And that comes from something Orwell said. If you want a picture of the future, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. That is another picture of a fearful, frightening uh, image of the future. So will that, I'll end and I'll just say, so now you have some sense perhaps of me and uh, what I'm trying to do and I thank you very much for listening. <laughs>